This week's episode of The Amazing Nerd Show is sponsored by Stamps.com. Since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly one million businesses. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're an office sending out invoices or a side hustle Etsy shop or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. Listeners, all you'll need is a computer and standard printer. No special supplies or equipment needed. Within minutes, you're up and running, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere. And you'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or just drop it off. No traffic, no lines. Really cut the confusion out of shipping. With Stamps.com's new Rate Advisor tool, you can compare shipping rates and timelines to easily find the best option. You can save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk. And with our promo code POD, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. There's no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in POD. That's Stamps.com, promo code P-O-D. That's Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Nerds, it's time to suit up and nerd up. Launching badass rockabilly track. Now loading horrifying coma. Rebooting systems. Warning systems corrupted. Horror protocols installed. Now time to end the world with some wrestling, video games, movies, TV, and more. Preparing our listeners for ritualistic sacrifice in 3, 2, 1. We are the Amazing Nerd Show and this is Horror Month. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, happy Halloween. On this week's episode, it's the grand finale of Horror Month as we count down our all-time favorite werewolf films. And we'll also be reviewing the film Dude. Plus, we'll be talking about all the latest happenings in the world of wrestling. All right, but before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing Nerd Show swag. All right, Christian, this week we uh, had someone graciously write a review for us over on Apple. Uh, this is coming from Trison at 313, and it starts off, love this show. This show is great. My first episode that I heard was your year in review. I can't wait for your top 10 this year. We had so many good movies and shows. Couldn't really watch them all. Love your show again. Yeah, thanks for being a listener. It's going to be tough making these lists this year. I'm going to tell you that right now. I mean, there's been so much great content over this entire year. Yeah, it's been a jam-packed year, really have. But like Christian said, thank you for leaving the review, Trison. Uh, if you DM us your address, we'll send you over a little show swag. Uh, and listeners, if you like what you hear and you want to support the show, go ahead, hit subscribe, hit follow. It doesn't cost you anything. Leave a five-star review. And like Trison, we'll send you some show swag. Uh, as long as you live in the United States area, of course. Um, those reviews really do wonders for a small independent podcast like us. Also, another great way to support the show is to head over to our Tee Public store and buy some show merch. 
And just like with the reviews, if you buy something and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional show swag and also shout you out on the podcast. And I know people are buying shit because I get the emails when something gets sold. So, I mean, make sure to tag us. I know recently longtime supporter and friend of the show Darth Dad did, uh, which we really appreciate. So, I mean, be like Darth Dad and wear your amazing nerd show love like a badge. Hell, get ANS tattooed on you. Yeah, I, hey, if you get the Amazing Nerd Show logo tattooed on you, we'll send you over a fucking hoodie, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters. We're mere podcasters with opinions. All right, first up, Marvel's Thunderbolts film is rumored to be happening. So yes, there's a new rumor floating around that Marvel's Thunderbolts movie is finally happening, uh, with the film supposedly starting production in 2023. It looks like it's going to be part of the next push of MCU projects, which will include the Fantastic Four, uh, the Shang-Chi sequel, and Nova. I mean, really, at this point, a Thunderbolts film should be no surprise to anyone since, I mean, the MCU has been dropping clues for the past year. Um, It was more of a question whether or not it was going to be titled Dark Avengers or Thunderbolts, honestly. So the Marvel Thunderbolts title started in the 90s. It was a spinoff of the Heroes Reborn storyline, which saw a team of villains rebrand themselves as superheroes underneath the leadership of Baron Zemo. This was all done to gain the trust of the public so they can get away with villainous schemes, of course. The heart of the story was really when some of the villains realized that they actually enjoyed being heroes, and that, of course, is where the conflict came in. Later on, the team became kind of Marvel's version of the Suicide Squad, with the government forcing a team of villains to go on dangerous missions. Later on, when Norman Osborn comes into power after the events of Secret Invasion, he morphs the team into his version of the Avengers, hence the name Dark Avengers in the comics. Uh, He takes characters like Bullseye and uh, turns into his version of Hawkeye. Um, He also takes Dakin, Wolverine's son, and disguises him as Wolverine. You see where this is going. Um, Venom becomes Spider-Man, and then Norman himself starts wearing in the Iron Patriot uh, armor. It'll be interesting to see if they get that deep with the concept, especially since we know a secret invasion, you know, show is down the line. Um, right now, we've got uh, Contessa Valentina putting together a team, it seems like. Uh, she already has John Walker in the fold, um, Black Widow's sister, and I wouldn't be surprised if Zemo somehow gets involved. Well, speaking of Marvel, it seems that the rumors are all true, Damon. The Sandman and Lizard gonna be in Spider-Man. No Way Home. So yes, this was confirmed by Empire Magazine. They did an article about Spider-Man No Way Home, where they talked about Reese Effons and Thomas Hayden Church being part of the ensemble cast of the movie. Um, but yeah, Reese played the Lizard in Amazing Spider-Man, and Thomas Hayden Church played Sandman in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3. I mean, we know already at this point that No Way Home is supposed to be a multiverse affair with Dr. Octopus and the Green Goblin popping up in the first teaser trailer. Also, Jamie Foxx is rumored to be reprising his role as Electro for the film. And of course, after the end credit scene in Venom 2, I wouldn't be surprised if Venom shows up. Uh, we'll see if he ends up being part of this multiverse version of the Sinister Six. Um, I could see him starting off you know, with the team and then eventually like turning on them, which he usually does in the comics, uh, because I honestly feel like Mysterio is still alive and you know he's probably the one pulling the strings here. Oh, absolutely. I just, I'm not sure 
if they you know got on the ball with the venom yet with that i think like if anything it'll probably be an after credit scene still i'm still on that on that fence of it or that side of the fence is what i'm trying to say i mean you could be right i think a lot of people might be disappointed though because that you know mid credit scene in venom really lends you to believe that he's going to be part of no way home but that might be just overkill, honestly. Mm. And why not stretch out that storyline to another film? Which, I mean, the MCU is smart. That's probably what they're going to do in the long run. Exactly. And they just announced those two dates. Who knows what those could be as well. So that's true. Well, up next, Batgirl casts its main villain in Brendan Fraser. So, yes, uh, Deadline is reporting that Brendan Fraser is set to be the main antagonist in the upcoming Batgirl film for HBO Max. The rumor is that he's supposed to be playing Firefly, uh, but that has not been confirmed yet. Now, after seeing the like second Batman trailer, I kind of want like all the villains to kind of have that weird twisted look that Riddler has. So I'm already imagining like this Brendan Fraser in a melted like fireman suit and stuff like that for Firefly. But the problem <laughs> with that is we don't even know if Batgirl is part of the Batman's universe. I'm, I'm guessing yeah. it's probably more of like a Snyderverse version of the mm. character, especially since we know J.K. Simmons is going to be reprising his role as Commissioner Gordon mm-hmm. in Batgirl. So, but I guess with the whole Flash film and it seems like they're playing with the whole idea of a multiverse, maybe, you know, their timeline's a little flexible also. Up next, new Miss Marvel promo art seemingly confirms major change to characters' powers. So interestingly enough, in the artwork in question, uh, Miss Marvel can be seen in her full superhero suit, but instead of enlarged hands and, you know, her flexi powers, uh, she's formed some kind of like purple construct in the shape of a fist. It honestly feels very Green Lantern-like, and really I'm not surprised that they'd want to change her stretch powers just because CGI-wise, I'm pretty sure it would be really expensive to pull off on an episodic like Disney Plus series. Uh, also, you've got Reed Richards being introduced soon, who has very similar powers. So there's that. I'm just really curious to see what the origin of her abilities are going to be. In the comic book, she's an inhuman. But are they willing to go down that road again uh, in the MCU? I doubt it. I mean, that's a whole can of worms. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. I mean, honestly, I don't think I'd be too upset by any type of like major change when it comes to her origin story. I'm, I, I have no care for the Inhumans. Just, just leave them aside. Especially if you haven't even done <laughs> mutants yet. Let's not even bother with the Inhumans. We don't know where where we're at with any of this type of stuff. So let's just not. No, no fish oil pills. Nothing like that. Let's just let's just move fish forward. Fish oil from pills. That. <laughs> I forgot about that. That was an yeah. awful storyline. On uh, Agents of Shield. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. No, but yeah, let's definitely forget that. Uh, yeah. No, I'm with you. I've never been a big Inhumans fan. So I'm okay with them kind of altering her origin story. I'm sure they're going to try to make it a little more connected to, you know, Captain Marvel's origin Mm -hmm. uh, some way, somehow. Um, In the comics, she's more of just a fangirl. So maybe they do something where she gets her powers somehow from like Kree technology. I don't know, something like that. We'll we'll see. It's only what, like two months away now at this point? was like January, I think, or February. Yeah, I think it'll be coming out sometime in February. Okay, so it's not too far away. With that being said, though, I'm sure we're going to be getting a trailer anytime soon now. Yeah. Um, Probably during the whole Disney Plus Day event uh, in mid-November. Oh, yeah, I keep forgetting that's happening. 
But anyway, on the horror front, Ryan Gosling's Wolfman film has found a new director. So a report from Deadline confirmed today that director Derek Cian France, who first teamed up with Gosling to make Blue Valentine and also uh, The Place Beyond Pines, uh, will work together again on Wolfman. The project was announced last year with Liam Winnell attached to direct, but unfortunately due to scheduling conflicts, he was forced to uh, pull out of the project. Uh, Cian France will also be writing the screenplay which supposedly is a modern take on the Wolfman story. Uh, no word yet on when the film is set to premiere. But I'm guessing it won't be a while since there's still an early pre-production. Uh, honestly, I'm just excited to be getting another werewolf film. In doing our countdown, which you'll hear later on in this episode, I realize we don't get enough werewolf films. So hopefully if this film is successful, we see kind of a renaissance happen and we get more of them. No, I agree. There really isn't enough like werewolf material out there. It's very odd compared to like vampires and zombies, at least. I guess they're the least favorite, but I, I, I don't I don't I, I don't honestly think that. it's just because of the effects. Ah, OK. You, I mean, they're naturally a more expensive film to mm -hmm. pull off. So, I mean, vampires, you just throw some fucking you know, fangs in their mouth and you're done, right? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like with werewolf films, everyone's kind of like chasing or trying to live up to what, you know, Rick Baker did in American Werewolf in London. And that was what, mm -hmm. like 40 years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it's a harder movie to pull off naturally. So I, I think that's probably the reason why. I mean, we did just get two really good films, the Werewolves Within and uh, Wolf of Snow Hollow. So, uh, Hopefully we'll see an uptick. And hey, we also got some casting rumors for Star Wars' Andor series. So according to a report from Making Star Wars, Andy Serkis is returning to the Star Wars universe in the Andor series on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Serkis played Supreme Leader Snoke uh, in the Star Wars sequel trilogy. There is no word yet if he's going to be reprising that role. Although timeline-wise, that doesn't make much sense since Andor is going to be taking place before Rogue One, uh, which takes place before A New Hope. I mean, maybe the Emperor already had his clone program already up and running at that point. Uh, or maybe Circus is just playing another CGI character. Most likely just another CGI character. I can't imagine them bringing back Snoke for this. No, I agree. And honestly, I hope that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> Welp, it's the grand finale of Horror Month, and we're bringing you the beasts that howl in the night. That's right, we're talking our favorite werewolf films. Damon, what makes the werewolf genre so horrifying? The legacy of werewolves in horror films is almost as old as the genre itself. From Henry Hole to Lon Chaney Jr., the legend of the beast within has both terrified and captivated audiences for decades all with the simple nightmare vision of our most primal instincts being unleashed. The films play as a cautionary tale of what happens if we give in to those raw emotions that we battle so hard to suppress. Either the werewolf becomes a tragic character who feels nothing but remorse for losing control, or on the flip side, a dark and sinister monster who feels free from the shackles of society's norms, who now relishes killing underneath the blood-tinted moonlight. But regardless of what kind of tales being told, the werewolf film and horror has proven to be a true pillar of the genre that will be thrilling audiences for many years to come. So, all right, quickly, once again, we've kept the focus on our countdown to more modern films, but we obviously more than recommend checking out the classic Universal Lon Chaney Wolfman films or Hammer's Curse of the Werewolf. Uh, they're all amazing and must-watches for any true horror fan. 
So I actually didn't cheat this time and I kept the countdown to only five films. Uh, but with that being said, quick honorable mentions go to Werewolves Within and The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Uh, both films came out within the past year or so. Uh, they're both fantastic and you can check out our full reviews for them in the archives. But anyway, let's go ahead and get into it. And now for the amazing nerd show's top five werewolf films. Number five, Silver Bullet. Nobody knew who or what was responsible. They only knew it had to be stopped. Now, from the master of mystery and suspense, Stephen King's Silver Bullet. So Silver Bullet is an 80s classic that one could argue is more fun than scary. An adaptation of a Stephen King story where we see a small town rocked by a series of grisly murders when Marty, a child with a disability played by Corey Haim, discovers the truth about what's going on. And that truth is that the town's priest is a fucking werewolf. So thinking no one will believe what he saw, him and his sister take matters into their own hands, along with their crazy Uncle Red played by Gary Busey in a role that he was born for. So what really makes Silver Bullet unique is it's told from a child's perspective. And as a child who saw it when it first was released, this made it even more terrifying and relatable. And while the scares don't necessarily hold up for me as an adult, it's still a pretty damn entertaining film. And a film with an over-the-top finale that will leave you cheering out loud. And not many movies can say that. Number 4. Dog Soldiers A horror film with bite. You are. A bitch of a werewolf movie. Fight it! Dog soldiers. This film can easily be described as Call of Duty zombies with werewolves instead. But action aside, this movie has a great cast giving absolutely enjoyable performances. Dog Soldiers takes the horrors of war and makes the enemies werewolves as a squad on a routine training exercise finds themselves in the midst of a werewolf community's forest. While well, yes, this film's lower budget led to some eh, anemic looking werewolves at times, the cast deliver big time as the cast all just work so well off of each other. I mean, really, I got so into the team's dynamic and how they work together and you really feel it as you start to lose members from the squad especially after you see the other actors react to now losing another squad member it's one of the many reasons why i love this film and i definitely guarantee you guys will be cheering them on as well as they unload thousands of rounds into the night number three the howling and wait tonight i'm going to show you something make you believe <laughs> The Howling. So The Howling is a film by legendary director Joe Dante. Uh, the movie follows Karen, a news anchor played by Dee Wallace, who's traumatized after surviving an experience with a serial killer who's stalking her. Sent to a strange retreat colony by her therapist as a form of treatment, she soon discovers she's living amongst a cult of werewolves. 
So even though the Howling is a cult classic, it sometimes feels like it gets overshadowed by American Werewolf in London. This is most likely to both films being released in the same year. But I mean, it's a real shame because they both feature groundbreaking effects and The Howling has Dante's signature sense of humor all over it. I mean, the movie could really be credited for being one of the first meta horror films of its kind. I mean, it's filled with Easter eggs and inside jokes. I mean, Dante really balances its stark nature with a wink and a smile. Plus, at the same time, the film really serves as a commentary about the self-help movement that was so prevalent during the decade. So really, when you take all this into account, and then you add a chilling, unforgettable ending, there's really no argument that The Howling doesn't deserve a seat at the table when discussing the greatest werewolf films of all time. Number two, Ginger Snaps. Just being normal teenage girls. I'm not dying in this room with you! Come on, come on. I'm not dying! Come on, come on. I think she's gone. Ginger Snaps takes the curse of a werewolf and turns it into a coming-of-age tale that sees Catherine Isabel do a iconic performance as Ginger, a girl getting her period and becoming a werewolf along with her death enthusiast sister, Bridget, as played by Emily Perkins. With a refusal to use CGI, John Fawcett created an intensely fun werewolf film with plenty of gore and fun body horror, yet at the same time captured the awkwardness of puberty and the teenage experience wrapped in this horrifying tale. This is one that I definitely picked up from Blockbuster quite a few times, especially during the horror season. And I definitely think if you're going to be watching werewolf flicks this Halloween, you gotta add the Ginger Snaps franchise to your list. And the number one werewolf film. An American werewolf in London. Gotta believe me, David. Believe what? You're one of the undead, and I'm a werewolf. Tomorrow night's the full moon. You're gonna change. A what? You'll become. I know. I know. A monster. The absolute high bar when it comes to the subgenre. Not only is it one of the greatest werewolf films, but it's just plain and simple one of the greatest horror movies ever made. Directed by John Landis, An American Werewolf in London is a dark comedy masterpiece that went on to inspire many filmmakers in its aftermath. Two friends, David and Jack, are backpacking through the moors of Yorkshire when they're attacked by a werewolf with only David surviving. But unfortunately for David, he is now cursed to become a werewolf himself at the next full moon. And on top of everything, he's being haunted by his dead friend who's riding away before his eyes and pleading with him to kill himself before anyone else gets hurt. Landis finds the perfect balance between horror and comedy, all the while dressing it up with Rick Baker's Oscar-winning special effects that amazingly still hold up today. Baker and Landis add body horror to the mythos of the werewolf by showing just how painful the transformation would be. In a scene that's fully lit, for over four minutes, we witness David suffer as his body morphs into the wolf. It's film magic at its best and the gold standard in practical effects. Landis leans into the werewolf being a sympathetic, doomed figure in horror, and really following the blueprint laid out by the wolfman decades earlier and just putting a modern spin on it. Because guess what? It's a classic for a reason. But anyway, 
often imitated but never duplicated, an American werewolf in London has been leading the pack when it comes to werewolf films for the past 40 years since it's been released, and it's showing no signs of being dethroned anytime soon, really making it the obvious choice for the number one slot in our countdown. And just like that, that does it for our Horror Month countdowns. Again, if you have a favorite horror film we didn't talk about in this past month, let us know in the comments, of course. And for you horror heads out there, make sure to tune in next week as we review the horror films coming out this Halloween weekend. It may be time for the holidays, but horror lives on the amazing nerd show all year long. All right, Christian, we watched a movie this week. That's right, we watched Dune. Warning spoiler alert. Minor spoilers for Dune ahead. You have been warned. And now, our feature presentation. They're not human, they're brutal. What if I'm not dead? You'll still be the only thing I ever needed you to be. Come on! My son. This is the feature adaptation of Frank Herbert's science fiction novel about a son of a noble family entrusted with the protection of the most valuable asset and most vital element in the galaxy. And this was directed by Denis Villeneuve. All right, so to start things off, right up front, I'm not a Dune guy. Uh, I never read Frank Herbert's classic book, and I saw the David Lynch film when it first came out, and I mean, I was really young, and all I could remember was I was, I was expecting something like Star Wars, and just sitting there being kind of, you know, confused and a little bored. Um, I did revisit the film later on many years ago, and I thought it was cool, but it just never really hooked me. Um, not that I was, like, underwhelmed by any means. I was just kind of, I don't know, whelmed. Uh, so with that being said, when the first trailer for, you know, this version of Dune came out, and I saw that Denis Villeneuve was directing, I was definitely curious because I just really enjoyed what he did with Blade Runner 2049. And the trailer just looked pretty fucking awesome and you know some Pink Floyd always helps <laughs> but my god I had no idea I was in store for this galactic opera I mean everything in this film just feels epic I mean you don't just watch Dune you experience Dune the film just assaults your senses from like the breathtaking cinematography to Hans Zimmer's grandiose score to the art direction that's not only just beautiful but everything in this film feels like well lived in and real like you could visit this fucking planet i mean villeneuve is such a great visual storyteller that i feel like you could probably turn down the volume and still understand what's happening in the film and I apologize for going light spoilers, but you know, if you listen to the show, typically that means I really just enjoyed the movie and I want you to check it out for yourselves. But anyway, let's go ahead and talk about the performances because they were awesome. Um, you know, and it, it shouldn't be a big surprise because this is an all-star ensemble cast, but just kind of like all the amazing set pieces in this film, like the performances also feel lived in, if that makes any sense. Like you can feel the characters like history and backstory when they interact. And that just makes it so like, they don't have to spell everything Thing out for you. Like you can really tell like who means what to who just by the way they converse together. And that's got to be really difficult to do. I mean, if I didn't know any better, I would think that this cast has been working together for three or four films. But I guess that's what happens when you get a bunch of talented actors in a room together. <laughs> 
I also loved how there isn't like tons of exposition scenes. Um, we get all the information of what exactly is going on in this like universe organically. I mean, it's such an odyssey of a story. Like there's so many different working parts and different characters that that could be concerning, but everything gets explained in a very like digestible way which the fact that they decided to divide this story between two films probably really made that possible. But holy shit, were they playing with fire? I just kind of assumed that they already had the go-ahead to make the second film, but apparently the second part just got greenlit this week. Because my god, if the studio didn't like okay them to make part two, that would have been an absolute disaster. Because this is definitely like the first part of a bigger story, especially in the way that it just kind of ends. Not that the ending was flat, but it was very much a to-be-continued. And that's just kind of the nature of a big story like this. It'd be really difficult to put kind of a nice little neat bow on the first part. Because it's like part two isn't a sequel in another book. It's just the next chapter in the same fucking book. But anyway, the next film is happening. Thank God all is right in the world. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give Dune an A. I mean, this is just sci-fi done right. Uh, this film isn't going to be for everyone with that being said. Like, don't be like six-year-old Damon expecting like the next Star Wars film. Which strangely enough, I actually saw a Dune commercial comparing itself to Star Wars, which I just thought was horrible marketing. Like, I mean, yeah, there's spaceships and yeah, they're like aliens with cool weapons, but that's really where the comparisons end. I mean, and that's fine. Like, let Star Wars be Star Wars and let Dune be Dune. And the book Dune was out before Star Wars. So anyway, I digress. <laughs> Go see this movie. Uh, it's in theaters right now. It's also on HBO Max. Christian, the floor is yours. Well, I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but my experience of the film vastly differs from Damon. And I think why that is, is because as Damon put it, this movie just isn't for everyone. And I definitely didn't feel like it was for me. I came into Dune with little to no expectations or knowledge of either the previous film or book. So this was genuinely all new for me. And funny enough, once again, to quote Damon, I found myself whelmed. There was never a point where the story, characters, or overall experience got me hooked on what I was watching. And at a certain point, I found I needed to drink a Red Bull to keep myself awake because I was just getting that bored. While I agree this film does a great job of defining the characters' relationships with one another and the universe itself without needing an exposition dump, I just didn't find any of it interesting in the end. I think the only character I did find interesting was Jason Momoa's Duncan, but I don't think my lack of interest is because of you know a lack of good acting i believe the performances were exactly as intended but the dialogue itself at times felt so basic and unmoving that it left so much to be desired in all the characters and also made timothy chalamet's paul unrelatable for me in general visually the film is great i mean it Everything looks awesome. You know, the worm looked great. Everything that they had in this film tech-wise looked awesome. All the CGI looked fantastic. But again, sand dunes and a sun-shielded city with a low amount of tech altogether just doesn't do anything to spark my interest. And the same goes for the score, in my opinion. I was just bored of all of it. And also waiting for Wonder Woman to come swinging past with all the chanting. Don't get me wrong. I can get into an atmospheric sci-fi film, but this one just did not hit the mark for me. With that said, I do wonder if seeing this part stacked with its sequel will change my mind at all, because as a film on its own, I feel like it was a borderline bland experience, and for that reason I am giving Dune a C. 
And now a message from our sponsor, Manscaped. Do you know what's spookier than seeing a black cat on Halloween? It's shaving your balls with anything other than Manscaped. When it comes to your blow-the-waist grooming, there's no need to carve your pumpkins this Halloween because Manscaped is here to upgrade your grooming experience. Go from a bite-sized candy bar to a king-sized candy bar and join the 2 million men worldwide by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code 20amazing. Christian, I know when I shave, I don't want my experience to be like a bloodbath from Psycho. That's why I saved the horror show for the big screen and I groom with Manscaped. Have you ever tried to trim your balls and it turned into a Freddy film? Well, luckily Manscaped is here to save the day and make sure you're smelling fresh with their new refined body wash. Fellas, the ladies love their signature scent and it will scare away those vampires. Unlock your confidence with the Performance Package 4.0. Inside, you'll find the holy grail of men's grooming items. They made it easy for you to upgrade your grooming routine. It's a full moon out and the werewolf in your pants is howling. It's time to tackle that problem with the Lawnmower 4.0. Their finely tuned pube products feature a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is easily the greatest ball trimmer on the planet. Oh, did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? This trimmer is a shower essential. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Wagger a total game changer to your men's hygiene arsenal. The Weed Whacker is a nose and ear hair trimmer that provides skin safe technology that help prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Seal the deal with Manscaped's liquid formulations. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner will make sure your pumpkins stay fresh. Trust me when I say this, fellas, your balls will thank you. Hey, Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to the Performance Package 4.0. The Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. And if you're looking like Wolverine and haven't cut those nails recently, be sure to look into the Shears 2.0 Nail Kit. They also have a bunch of other life-changing products on their website, so be sure to check it out. That's right, listeners. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code 20amazing at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off plus free shipping when you use our code 20amazing at checkout on manscaped.com. Say trick-or-treat to your beautiful new Halloween with Manscaped. Well, now it's time for Christian's Corner. This past week in gaming, we got another state of play from PlayStation. This time highlighting some lesser talked about titles, which was interesting to see, but not the most exciting state of play we have gotten. But let's be real, all the big announcements have really already been made. So here we have a showcase that only is used to better elevate these notably smaller franchises and titles. Titles like Little Devil Inside that honestly I would have just skipped past if I were to just see a thumbnail for it on YouTube. But here in this showcase I got a glimpse at what seems like a pretty interesting tilt shift experience following a badass bounty hunter on his daily work. I mean honestly the game looked gorgeous and really highlights the you know power of the PlayStation 5 which I just definitely think most people would look past if they weren't watching one of these big press conference events. But alas, the biggest story coming out of this week's event was the Deathverse Let It Die. This surprise follow-up to the 2016 Let It Die is being developed by Super Trick, a team that helped out during the first game's production. Publishers Gung Ho were happy to tout that the game will have you playing PvPvE style as you go up against other players and in-game enemies in order to dazzle the crowd in this sick reality show competition. 
cheat death, outlive your competitors, and climb the rankings to become a star. What a perfect game for a post-Squid Game society. Uh, this unique game, set hundreds of years in the future, will be out next year in the spring. And as my Twitter timeline has shown, all of you are excited for it. I have not yet gotten a chance to play the original, but I have to admit the style of this trailer caught my eye quite a bit, so I'll be keeping an eye out. Other than that, we have started another new game in Guardians of the Galaxy on stream this weekend, so make sure you're following us on Twitch to get notified when we go live, as we're playing a crazy amount of games live every single weekend. Come hang out with the Amazing Nerd Show at 12 noon central time or around then, because sometimes I sleep past that, <laughs> and have a fucking good time. All right, now let's move on to wrestling. Whoa, 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 whoa wait. Wait, you want to be Becky Two Belt so bad, right? How about winner takes all tonight? Wait a minute. So fast. It's boss time. So uh it's definitely a sad day in the world of wrestling. Uh ROH uh had to release literally all of their talent roster today. Uh wow. and they're hoping I guess to reimagine the brand and possibly be back sometime in spring. Um but it's definitely not a good sign. Um, oh. They did release a statement. Throughout the pandemic, our top priority was to keep everyone healthy and safe. And despite not producing any live events for over 18 months, we're able to keep everyone fully contracted. We now find ourselves at a time where we need to make changes to our business operations and are planning a pivot for our Ring of Honor with a new mission and strategy. The year will accumulate with the final battle in December, and we are taking the first quarter of 2022 to work internally on reimagining ROH. ROH has the most dedicated fans in the industry, and we appreciate their loyalty and patience as we reconceptualize ROH. We anticipate returning to live events in April for the Supercard of Honor with a new fan-focused product and provide a unique experience for wrestling fans. Maybe. No, honestly, <laughs> I got that same vibe, too. Um, and the only reason I think that is is because they released all of their talents. Because it just feels weird to me that you wouldn't, like, keep them under contract, but let them, like, go to other places, mm -hmm. um, you know, to work. I mean, maybe it's a case of them just feeling like their roster has gotten stale and they need to just restructure, you know, things roster-wise also. But I don't know, man. Like I said, like, why don't you keep everyone at least or at least a handful of people like your big major stars. And then that way you have something like a foundation to work with for when you do like restart the brand. Um, I mean, Sinclair, they really handled the pandemic well and you have to, you know, give them tons of credit. I mean, they didn't let anyone go. They were playing it as safe as any company they literally didn't run any shows for i mean i don't even know how long um you know they only came back when they felt like it was absolutely as safe as possible for the wrestlers mm -hmm. and i still think they're limiting like how many people can come to their shows i mean it's definitely sad news especially you know when you have that amount of people losing their jobs um hopefully you know most of them land on their feet 
Uh, make sure you go out and buy their shirts on Pro Wrestling Tees. They're going to definitely need the support. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be a huge influx on the indies right now. I mean, that's the one good thing. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, WWE and AEW has some interest in some wrestlers. I mean, there's always New Japan also. Um, there are a lot of independents right now out there. So, and and hopefully ROH comes back bigger and stronger than ever before. But, I mean, it's going to leave a huge hole, you know, in the world of wrestling, you know, without them. I mean, ROH lately hasn't been the hottest brand. Um, I think that's just stating the obvious. It definitely hurt them, you know, losing like the Young Bucks and, you know, Adam Cole and Kenny Omega. Um, you know, but they were still putting out a good product. And I was always waiting for, you know, them to like make a big comeback. If you think about it, ROH has meant so much to wrestling over the years. I mean, how many huge names have gotten their start there? Um, and they were the true alternative for, you know, many of those years when WWE was really running unopposed. Yeah. So, I mean, it just sucks. Um, but hopefully they're able to figure things out. I mean, my first wrestling show ever that I've, I ever went to was Ring of Honor. It was uh, War of the Worlds. And I got to see, uh, you know, New Japan stars and, you know, the current AEW roster yeah, leaders pretty much, pretty right? much <laughs> going up against one another. So I thought that was fucking awesome. But you did bring up New Japan, which I think was an interesting idea to have a lot of those wrestlers go on strong. Because, I mean, that would pad out their roster quite a bit. And they definitely need more talent over there. Yeah, I mean, a lot of wrestling indies are thriving right now. People want to go mm-hmm. see shows. Um, but this is a lot of wrestlers, you know, kind of flooding the scene all at once. So, um, I mean, you also have like GCW, which is really, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm the brink of like breaking it big at this point. Like I'm getting strong like ECW vibes from them now. Um, you know, they're really making some waves. And ROH has some super talented wrestlers, like, you know, so, I mean, it's going to be tempting really for AEW and WWE to kind of like raid them right now. But I mean, both and ROH has a really super talented roster or had a really super talented roster, I guess I should say. Um, But it's going to be really tempting for, you know, both, you know, big companies not to like raid the bones, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. but I mean, both companies are also pretty overstuffed at the moment. So, I mean, I, I would want Tony Khan to at least grab some of, you know, their women wrestlers because an influx of ROH's, you know, women's division would really go a long way to strengthen AEW's. Um, you also have like groups like NWA out there. So, I mean, there's a lot of like landing grounds, you know, for these mm-hmm. wrestlers, it's just, I mean, it's going to be a struggle at first because, like I said, I mean, you're, I mean, how many wrestlers do they have on the roster? So, I mean, that's a lot of talent, you know, out there looking for jobs. I mean, I could definitely see Bandito making his way over to AEW. I wouldn't be surprised by that. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if the Briscoe brothers, you know, they if they don't get a run in AEW. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of dream matches, you know, there, you know, available at your fingertips. Um, you know, and they're obviously they've worked with a lot of those guys before in the past. So it only makes sense. So ROH will continue with their like November television tapings, I guess. Uh, and, you know, they're also going to do their final battle pay-per-view, uh, which takes place December 11th. 
Um, but in the meantime, I guess all the wrestlers are free to kind of go wherever they want to. So, um, you know, does that mean that though that they have to come back and work those dates at least? I'm guessing that's probably the case. Um, but we'll see. God, that would suck if that just leads to, you know, injuries, though, before those shows happen, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. But, but, I mean, you can't blame the talent for, you know, looking for jobs, honestly. Mm-hmm. Oh. So it is what it is. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm just hoping in the long run this is what's best for all parties. And hopefully, you know, Ring of Honor comes back stronger than ever. So, Christian, how about all this Becky and Charlotte drama, man? <laughs> I yeah, they they got into a little spat over the titles, huh? Uh, so do you think it's a work or do you think it's a shoot? Uh, I'm I'm looking at it more as a shoot at this point, uh, especially with Andrade's whole message of "fuck WWE" afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> just it just made that that exclamation point brought some realism to it. I think that definitely stood out to me because like Andrade's not going to help them work an angle, right? No, I mean I guess Charlotte <laughs> probably does have that pull over him, but. I don't know. I don't feel like he's going to do WWE any favors. Um, no. I could definitely, even if it is a shoot, they'll probably, you know, turn it into a program of some kind. And we know Survivor Series is, you know, right around the corner. So, and it's mm-hmm. supposed to be, you know, champion versus champion, which I don't know. I fucking hate that. Like, I, I wish it was just back to the, you know, the el- elimination tag matches. That's what I miss. So, um, and we do get a few of those, but um Anyway, so if you don't know, I guess on SmackDown, during their main event, WWE decided to do a title exchange since Becky and Charlotte both switched brands and they were, you know, their brand's women's champion. Um, It's so Mm -hmm. fucking ridiculous that this even has to take place. They did something very similar last year with the tag titles. They had, I believe, the Street Profits and the New Day like just exchanged Mm. titles in a backstage like promo um it was really awkward and i think they actually counted it as like a new title reign for each team which is just fucking absurd to me (laughs) and maddening um because that's not how that works like no it's it's like (laughs) it's a problem of their own making which i don't understand like those titles don't have to be called the Raw women's title or the SmackDown women's title. Like, the, no. the men's titles aren't called that. Like, you could just totally make, you know, one title the WWE women's title and, like, one title the, you know, Universal Women's Championship. You know, I mean, it's an easy fix. Or, like, the World, you know, women's title. Whatever, you know. <laughs> like, there's so many different ideas they, they could have gone with to, like, fix this problem. Um, but no, they got themselves into the situation and it totally blew yep. up in their face. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, both Charlotte and Becky hated this idea from the get go, complained about it backstage. Uh, they went out there and I don't know what triggered this, but like Charlotte was definitely perturbed. I mean, the crowd was chanting Becky two belts. It seemed like Charlotte didn't want to hand over the title to Sonya, I it felt like maybe it was because Becky was going to hold up like both belts at the same time. Um, 
she kept the belt away like playing keep away from becky like you know becky was like some kind of kid um eventually it ended up with charlotte like supposedly dropping the belt although it looked like she threw the title to me um sonia deville was fucking pissed <laughs> like she demanded that charlotte picked up the belt and charlotte actually did um you know grab the belt from uh charlotte and then like Becky was reaching for the belt from Sonia and she refused to give the belt to Becky um, until Becky handed over her title, basically like negating, you know, Becky being able to hold up both titles. Mm. Um, then Charlotte, like, you know, challenged Becky to a match right then and there, um, which definitely puts Becky in a bad spot because she's going to look bad, like not be able to accept it because that's not something that was probably booked to happen <laughs> yeah <laughs> but luckily before becky could like respond uh sasha banks music hit and she came down to like interrupt things becky got pissed and she like spiked the mic and left and you could tell like during this whole thing because i'll be honest like when i heard about all this you know because i wasn't watching smackdown when i heard about all uh-huh. this you know and like basically reading what happened i was like this is a fucking this is a work get out of here but then you actually watch it. And maybe Becky's a great actress. But, like, she looks so annoyed and so just visibly pissed off. You could tell she's, like, trying to hold it together. Um, so that right there was like, okay, this doesn't make any sense. Like, why? <laughs> Something's going on. And then, of course, all the reports afterwards, they had a huge blow up, like, backstage Nothing physical, but they got into each other's faces. And then mm-hmm. then we heard that WWE either asked Charlotte to leave or actually escorted her out of the building. <laughs> um, so it must have been pretty fucking heated for that to happen. I guess Sonya was actually pissed off also. Um, Everyone in the mm-hmm. company uh, seems to be taking Becky's side and feels like Charlotte's in the wrong. Um, and there's been this narrative that's, you know, kind of come out recently that charlotte's been very difficult to work with um she hasn't been happy about the way she's been booked i mean we you remember there's all that weirdness that was happening around wrestlemania and everything and just a lot of strange things like she was she was supposed to be on the card and she was off of the card mm-hmm. um you know and there was stuff with like covid involved and everything but it was just really strange and, and i totally forgot about this but we actually had rick flair ending up like quitting the company because he actually called Vince and complained about like how Charlotte was booked and then like asked for his release. So there's definitely something to the story. Mm. Uh, It really sounds like Charlotte doesn't want to be there anymore. Um, I'm wondering if she's kind of angling to like go join Andrade. Um, (laughs) I don't, I don't know if that's the case, Uh, but usually where there's smoke, there's fire. And right now there's a whole lot of smoke. Um, Another story that leaked out was that Charlotte is like kind of a loner now backstage. She's very distant. I mean, if you think about it, like her and Becky were really close at one point. But Mm -hmm. I guess now their relationship has drastically changed. So, um, so we'll see. We'll see how things play out. I do feel like they're going to, you know, even if it was real, you know, and it was a complete shoot. I feel like they're going to definitely work this into a storyline. Um, and that's probably what's best for business, honestly. Um, but but it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. 
Well, I don't think Charlotte would be bad for AEW in any way. I just don't know like how they would perceive her after these types of events. Mm-hmm. You know, if it if it becomes a thing where it's like, you know, she's causing drama and stuff like that, is that something that they're going to look at and judge her for? Yeah. When she is a great talent. I could imagine, you know, her doing amazing over oh, yeah. at AEW. I just don't know. No, I mean she would be great for the women's roster, but at the same time, yeah. if she, if she's perceived as like a cancer in the locker room, do you want to bring that into your company. Mm-hmm. So it would really be up to her to prove that that's not the case. Um, but I mean, also, AEW, from all accounts, has a very different climate than the WWE does, yes. you know, work wise. Um, and honestly, like, just from an outsider's perspective, like, the way that they've been booking the women's division and booking Charlotte has really been the shits. I mean, there's no argument there. Mm. Like, for the past year, they've been really, like, inconsistent in the way that they're booking her character. Like, sometimes it feels like she's supposed to be a face, and then sometimes it feels like she's supposed to be the heel— um, but they never really like iron it out completely. I mean, you remember when she first came back, it seemed like they were really trying to make her like the baby face. They had her like tagging with Asuka. Then they put her in that awful fucking storyline with Lacey Evans and Ric Flair, you know, where he was like, you know, uh, turning on her. And <laughs> it looked like they were trying to say Ric Flair got Lacey Evans pregnant, even though we just like met her husband and kid like. Yeah. Five months ago. <laughs> um, I mean, it's wrestling, so that could happen. But, I mean, <laughs> it was still an awful storyline. And then, like, they, you know, had, like, Charlotte kind of turn on Asuka, but not really. And just really, like, hot and cold. I mean, everything with Rhea Ripley. Like, we couldn't figure out who the fuck the yes. face was or the heel was. Just incredibly inconsistent. Um, you know, they had her doing a fucking job to Nia Jax after, like, winning the title, like, uh, the weekend before. Um, and that, I don't know if you remember that match. That was a disaster where everyone was kind of questioning the same thing. Like, was this, like, a shoot? Like, they did, did they literally, like, start to go at it in the ring at one point? Mm-hmm. So She got dropped. <laughs> it was a mess. It was just a complete mess. I mean, this past year really has been just a complete mess for Charlotte. So and I don't know what the hell's going on, but hopefully, you know, they figure it out. And I, maybe it's just a case of them really butting heads. And that's why you have that inconsistency, like in her storylines where she's maybe refusing to do things because of bad booking. And honestly, fuck them. I mean, their booking has been yeah. awful. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, you have to be a professional, too. Like you can't mm. be throwing the belt in the middle of a fucking segment. Like, that's bullshit, too. And that does put Becky and Sonya in a bad light. So, I mean, I definitely can understand why they would be upset about that. Um, I mean, you have a job to do and you have to do it, you know, regardless. I mean, raise hell backstage, you know, complain and bitch, whatever, you know. Um, But, you know, when you're out in front of the cameras, I mean, it's not fair to the audience. It's not fair to the other wrestlers if you kind of, like, take it out Mm -hmm. on them. So, um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully they figure things out because Charlotte is way too talented to be like in the middle of all this drama. Um, but I mean, and I mean, like talk about inconsistent. I mean, the way that they, they're booking Becky is ridiculous right now. Like I forgot Becky was a heel, like watching 
like that segment because the crowd is just chanting for her the entire time she's in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and she's like in the middle of this feud with Bianca Belair still. Like, <laughs> and once again, they could have avoided all this drama and just had them drop the belts, you know, before they had to do this huge switch. Uh, you know, you could have had, you know, Becky lose the belt to either Sasha or Bianca at uh, the Saudi show. Or you could add Charlotte. I don't even know who Charlotte's feuding with right now, honestly. <laughs> but she could have lost the belt to, you know, Rhea Ripley or Nikki or God, is that all that's on the Raw brand? I know Asuka's hurt right now. That tells yeah, you how devoted I am to watching Raw every week. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's just so many different like ways to go about this, to make this work, to avoid, you know, this fucking disaster. Um no one likes belt swaps. So I hope hopefully at least that's the lesson that WWE gets mm-hmm. out of this. There's just no reason for it. Um, and it really diminishes the titles, I feel like. No, I agree. Like to just be easily passed between each other and then you get a new title reign. It, yeah, uh, it's it's now, I believe that's <laughs> what happened last year. I don't know if that's the case again. I don't know if they're going to add like a, no- a number to Charlotte's, uh, you know, title wins. I mean, they did take away the NXT wins i guess recently um oh okay and honestly i don't think like the world title wins for the guys ever counted like for their you know title count like i don't think they ever Mm -hmm. referred to like kevin owens as like what like a three-time or a two-time world champion since he had the title belt right so why Mm, did charlotte get the boost (laughs) it's just because they're trying to get her up to 16 honestly you know Uh so she could tie her dad um, but I don't know. That's all the drama, I guess, <laughs> that's happening right now in the WWE. Um, like I said, they'll probably turn this into an angle. Um, unfortunately, they're usually pretty bad at like you know paying off these angles that you know are based off of real life situations. I remember what they did with Matt Hardy and Edge back in the day. Yeah, that was the first thing oh, that came my to my God. mind. <laughs> and, and it ties kind of into ROH. You remember they were having like him like act like he was signed to ROH or he was actually working with mm-hmm. ROH but then he was like you know jumping edge from the crowd and everything and then he finally did re-sign with WWE and, and they used him basically as cannon fodder to just you know push edge even more um, like he never really got his like comeuppance for that whole storyline honestly uh, so I don't know I, we'll see we'll see what's going on uh, I'm still like on the fence, though, on whether or not it's an actual like work for me. I just find it funny because I think at the beginning of this year, I was predicting more of like maybe Sasha Banks could be the first person to leave out of the four horsewomen from WWE just based on what was going on back then. But, you know, ever ever since Charlotte's come back, you're right. It's just been shit for her. And I I don't blame I don't blame what's happening if it's a shoot. But, you know, it, it could all be a work it's it's wwe yeah. baby <laughs> i mean you never know you never know this does feel like a paul Heyman angle this is something that he would definitely hmm. book. he likes those like you know real life shoot you know angles if you will yeah. so um and he definitely loves working you know internet marks like ourselves basically so honestly and why <laughs> wouldn't you um it only makes sense i'm surprised they don't do more of that um hmm. but yeah i don't know I do love the idea of like uh, Charlotte going on like like a Brian Pillman run where she's just like you know not following any storyline, <laughs> just doing what the she loose wants. Loose cannon. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> That'd be cool. Right? It'd be something different at least. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like maybe they let her like show up on different shows and everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> that that'd be awesome. I wouldn't mind that. It'd be something different at least. All right, so briefly before we go, uh what do you think about the uh two tournaments AEW has going on right now? We got the uh Eliminator Championship tournament. What the hell are they calling it on the men's side? <laughs> Yeah, the Championship Eliminator Termin- Tournament. What the fuck is that? You got to come up with a better name. <laughs> First of all, every tournament is elimination. So, like, mm-hmm. that's a really redundant title. And then we have the tournament for the newly introduced uh, women's TBS title, which I also hate the name of that belt. That's horrible. Uh. Um, but <laughs> can't, like, name it after that. I'm not going to go on this rant again. But anyway, um... I love myself a good tournament. I do feel like both of these have been a little weird, um, especially the way that they had the women's one set up. I guess all like the like top five contenders basically got a pass uh, for the first round. Uh, but like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how she does not one of the top five contenders. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> like she's like one like she's like almost has like the most wins in the women's division right she's got like uh, yeah 50, 50 right so like how is she not a number i don't get it right <laughs> has she been on a losing streak and we just don't know about it or on a dark or something i guess she just is right underneath the cut because looking at the other ones it's thunder rosa jade cardgill nyla rose and chris stratlander that got the you know the extra little the, push yeah, up pass. So maybe she was just, yeah, the past. Maybe she was just under. I, I want to check Tony Khan's math here. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Like, I want, I want to know what her record is for the year. You know, that it just mm. it seems a little wonky to me because I don't feel like she's lost more than just a couple matches, honestly. I love the fact that we have a feud, a program, you know, for the women that like doesn't like revolve around a title right now because this feud started when she was you know she was supposed to get the uh, whole you know 50 win trophy so and it looks mm-hmm. like after tonight it's gonna definitely continue Sheeta did end up picking up the win uh, but after the match she was attacked by deeb i have a feeling that's gonna cause you know Sheeta to lose the tournament um and then you know of course you know we'll go on to have another awesome match hopefully i was hoping that she would use that that little glass title though and that submission move for some reason i was like you gotta get that in there somehow (laughs) i don't know how you could possibly work that in christian i mean i saw it more as a blunt like object to you know Uh more as like a foreign object to like bludgeon someone with but that's just Uh me um but no it was a great match i mean serena d man like if Britt didn't have the belt right now, I'd say give that belt to Serena Deeb. Like, she's just a fucking worker's worker, man. She's fantastic in the ring. Um, and Sheeta, I feel like she's just been improving and improving. Um, mm-hmm. I think this was probably the best match I've seen her have in AEW, honestly. On the other side of the bracket, uh, we had a match between Ruby Soho and Penelope Ford. Soho won. Um, can you go ahead and just read off the, the bracket? Um, we should have Anna J versus Jamie Hayter, uh, the Bunny versus Red Velvet, 
And then we just saw Serena D versus um, Sheeta. And then we saw Ford and Ruby Soho. So then Soho will be going up against Statlander. Um, up next, Sheeta should be going up against Nyla Rose. We'll see after that injury. Um, and then Jade Cardgill will go up against whoever goes, uh, wins between the Bunny and Red Velvet. And Thunder Rosa will be going up against whoever wins between Anna Jay and Jamie Hayter. I definitely could see Red Velvet you know, advancing to face Jade Cargill since they have a history mm-hmm. together. Um, I feel like Soho will probably advance against um, Stratlander. Honestly, I mean, Soho is probably the most, you know, over, you know, woman in the division right now. I mean, next to Britt, of course, although I am surprised that we're getting like a baby face versus baby face match, um, you know, in the tournament, but that's mm-hmm. cool. I like that. I mean, it's at least unpredictable because a lot of times you could kind of figure out the bracket just yeah. by like face and heel. <laughs> um, uh, like you the think? King of the Ring tournament. <laughs> yeah, You're right. Yeah. Uh, but like, okay, we don't have to go through every bracket, but like, who do you think is going to end up facing off for, you know, that TBS title uh, in the final round? I definitely think Jade Cargill is going to make it to the finals. Um, but beyond that, I guess because it wouldn't be Nyla Rose. Now, I would have that to would probably... mean that she has to be Thunder Rosa because Thunder Rosa is also part of the like who's Thunder Rosa facing off against. Well, Thunder Rosa has to beat whoever wins between Anna Jay and Jamie Hayter. And I could see them putting um, Anna Jay over Thunder Rosa if they wanted to save Thunder Rosa versus Jade Cargill for a later date. I don't know, man. I think I think we're going to get that match that uh, Thunder Rosa and uh, Jade Cargill match. Um, I just can't imagine Thunder Rosa losing to Anna Jay unless maybe it's like outside interference from Jade Cargill. Like maybe she costs her the match somehow. That or if Jamie Hayter were to win, she could always have Britt Baker cause an interference on Thunder Rosa. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. Um, Okay, but if let's say Thunder Rosa did end up winning the match, do you think... Uh, Cargill goes over Thunder Rosa just to save that you know win streak right now I would say at least Jade Cargill would get to the finals without losing Mm -hmm. her streak yeah no I honestly I'm gonna go ahead I'm gonna pick Jade Cargill to win that belt you know I think they'll probably put it on her first um either her or Ruby Soho who does Ruby have to go up against so Ruby's she advanced, going up against uh, Statlander next. Okay. Yeah. And, and then, then she's going up against Nyla Rose because Nyla Rose is beating Sheeta hands down. Yes. Yes. I mean, <laughs> due to that injury, I'm sure even if she wrestles the match, she's going to be on one leg. So uh-huh. then she'll have to beat Nyla Rose. So and I could definitely see that happening. Mm. Um, so then, yeah. So then you're going to get Ruby Soho against Jade Cargill. And that's, I mean, that could be a fun match. I mean, Ruby's seasoned enough where she could carry Jade through a good match. I mean, it shouldn't go longer than like five, six minutes, honestly. Uh Um, But I mean, I could see her be able to pull out a match with Jade. Um, But yeah, I I don't know. I I just, I have a feeling they're going to go with Jade Cargill here, you know, for the title. Unfortunately, I do agree with you. I don't want her to be the first title holder, but, you know, it is what it is. I don't either, really, but it is what it is. You're right. (laughs) I mean, you can't have her chasing after Brit just because Mm -hmm. it would be weird. They want to keep Brit heel for some reason. 
So I feel like you don't want to have that heel versus heel dynamic because then everyone's just going to treat, you know, Britt like the baby face. And Britt has done a good job, I will say recently, in getting her heat back where people are actually mm-hmm. booing her again. So, um, but yeah, no, I feel like they're probably going to keep that belt on Jade, you know, have her build it up, you know, you know, have her you know, continue her undefeated streak and kind of, you know, build up the importance of that belt, you know, for when someone does like beat her, it actually means something. So, um, you know, until like, you know, they get that world title on a baby face, you know, for Jade to go after her, because I feel like they've got a lot invested in Jade right now. So on the men's side, uh, when they announced this tournament and who was involved, I definitely had the same kind of issues. <laughs> like you have a roster with like CM Punk, Pack, Andrade, Malachi Black, yet somehow none of them are involved in this championship eliminator match. But instead we have Dustin Rhodes, uh, 10 from the Dark Order, like, I was like, how are these guys ranked above, you know, Malachi Black or, you know, or fucking uh, Miro for crying out yeah. loud? <laughs> like, how is this possible? Like, why isn't Jericho involved in anything anymore? Like, honestly, if they don't want to go by the rankings and use the rankings on, like, who gets to be in the tournament, um, because it might, like, mess up feuds or storylines. So I totally understand but if you want to do that, then why don't you make it so like, you know, the like how the old King of the Ring tournaments used to work, where you would have weeks like, you know, leading up to the tournament where you had a bunch of like qualifying matches. So then you see how those wrestlers earn their spots in and then mm-hmm. you get some like, I don't know, traction for these guys. So it seems like they could possibly win or like you feel like they've earned their way into the tournament at least. Because, I mean, honestly, how many times have we even seen 10 wrestle on Dynamite at this point? Not outside of a tag match. Yeah. So I don't it know. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like Christian? Why isn't Christian or Jungle Boy part of this tournament? Right? Like this can't be like your top male talent. Like it's <laughs> to me, like that's who should be in a eliminator championship tournament you know for it to like really carry any fucking water so um but uh, can you go ahead and read off the brackets here well we started off with um dustin rose brian danielson brian danielson's already moved up we have lance archer and eddie kingston eddie kingston's already moved up and thank Um, god lance archer's okay that was yes a a really scary match i don't know if you saw the bump that archer took i said i did yeah that was terrifying Uh, i'm glad he's okay and the Brian Danielson and Goldust match was fantastic also. So I'm not complaining about the quality of the matches here. Uh-huh. <laughs> we had Orange Cassidy beat Powerhouse Hobbs to get to the next round. And then we also had John Moxley just tonight tear through 10 like it was nothing. Holy shit, he's just in another gear right now. Did you see mm-hmm. the promo he cut uh, over the weekend on Dynamite, uh- I believe? I did not because I couldn't watch that episode. <laughs> oh, that's right. But so he basically goes on this tangent about how he doesn't give a shit about wrestling. He doesn't care about like championships. All he cares about is his kid right now. Um, and he's here basically to do a job and then get back to his kid. So and that's basically what we saw happen on Dynamite. Uh, he just came out, you know, ran through the crowd, basically beat the shit out of 10 like it made mm. him a bloody mess 
start ripping off his mask. I mean, it's just a different level of viciousness we saw from Moxley, where I'm kind of starting to question. I've been kind of questioning it for a while, actually, that, you know, we might be seeing a heel turn happen like sooner than later. Um, so I love that this is part of his storyline, you know, because, it, you know, as a father, like you do, like once you have a kid, you do get this like new perspective on life. So it's great that Moxley is like actually working this into like mm-hmm. his angle, you know, his storyline. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I know on what, what do we have next? So we know that Moxley ended up, you know, moving past 10, uh, rather easily, like, you know, a knife through butter. Um, what, what are the next uh, brackets? Well, yeah, Moxley will be going up against Orange Cassidy next. And then Brian Danielson will be going up against Eddie Kingston, which they had a great promo in the back. Yes. Uh, I don't know why Brian didn't shout what he was saying towards Eddie. He started looking <laughs> into the camera, but it was fine. That's the WWE in him, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> they actually had another great promo um, on Dynamite or Rampage where uh, Brian was questioning eddie kingston's work ethic and like talking about how talented he is but he just doesn't put the work that's needed you know into wrestling uh kind of really belittling honestly (laughs) i was like you don't know what this guy does are you just Uh saying this because he's heavy (laughs) maybe he likes food (laughs) so but i was like the guy like kicks ass in the ring i don't i mean he seems like he works pretty hard to me i don't know uh-huh. Um, but yeah, no, it was a pretty arrogant promo. Uh, but yeah, no, I, that's going to be a fantastic match. You're not wrong. So that means the winner of Kingston and Brian will go up against the winner of Moxley and Cassidy in the finals, right? Yes. Right at okay. full gear. So we're basically getting Moxley versus Brian Danielson. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so if things go as predicted, because I, I, I mean, we've been talking about this for a while. We definitely feel like Hangman is probably going to end up winning the title here, um, you know, from Omega. I could really see Moxley getting the win in this tournament. Especially since it would be he's, a good first feud. Yeah. yeah, well, and especially since it feels like he's kind of, you know, acting a little more heelish lately. Mm-hmm. Um, it just I, I could see him decimating orange cassidy like if you want to get heat you do the same thing you did to 10 to orange cassidy no absolutely you know like can you imagine orange trying to pull off the little ankle kicks on moxley like what's (laughs) gonna fucking happen (laughs) oh he's not gonna get a chance to even do that i feel like moxley's gonna come in and just start throwing him around pummeling him right yes (laughs) because he literally looked like a fucking psychopath he was terrified out there today i loved it um and you know cassidy can sell that like super well yes and i mean he's a fan favorite so if you really want to do this kind of turn for moxley you know slowly but surely i mean have moxley just decimate him honestly Mm -hmm. and then when it comes to him facing off against uh brian at the uh pay-per-view I mean, Brian will be fine taking the loss, you know, um, you know, I, I he's not going to get hurt by that at all. And then you no. could still end up if, you know, Hangman ends up winning the title, you could still have Brian then feud with Kenny Omega afterwards. It could just be a program based on pride and like who's the best wrestler in the world, you know, and just, you know, have Brian testing his medal against, you know, Omega. I mean, that's mm-hmm. totally fine. And who who the hell doesn't want to see a rematch? You know, after what those two pulled off on Dynamite. They gotta have an Iron Man match. 
it's I actually happen. don't think I want that. I, I think I would rather have Tony Khan say, okay, since 30 minutes was enough time, let's make this a 60 minute, you know, time limit match. Mm-hmm. And then just have them go up to like, you know, the 60 minute mark, you know, and then you could have them do a draw. And then you'd like to say, okay, no time limit and just have them, you know, do it <laughs> New Japan style. Because that was kind of like the storyline that Omega and uh, Okada did, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just have the guys like beating the shit out of each other to like exhaustion. You know, I never like with Iron Man matches and AEW's done an Iron Man match. I think, right? It was uh, it was packing uh, Omega. They did a 30 minute uh, Iron Man match. On TV. Oh, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, with Iron Man matches, I mean, and there have been good ones in the past, obviously, like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. But even that one went to a draw, basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, they went the full 60 minutes and then they had to go, you know, to sudden death. Um, my problem with Iron Man matches, a lot of times they do these little like rinky dinky pinfalls that happen way too like, I don't know, superficially quick. Whereas like that would never happen in a real match. You would never get like a five minute like, you know, pinfall, you know, off of, you know, whoever it may be. So like that's my issue with it. I mean, I'm sure psychologically there's probably a good way to do it. I'm sure, you know, Brian Danielson, Kenny Omega would probably find out. Yeah. You'll figure out a great way to do it. But I'm fine with them just going for like a full 60 minute like Broadway. Like that'd be totally fine with me. So and just like have them have a whole series of fucking matches. <laughs> they could wrestle each other way into next year and I'd be I'd be completely cool with that. <laughs> so are you agreeing with me, though? You feel like Moxley's going to win this tournament or do you think it's going to oh, be Brian yes, Danielson? I- I think it's going to be Moxley. Now, I mean, if I mean it, we if could be completely be... wrong here and Omega could retain the title, <laughs> you know, and it, yes. it could make more sense for, you know, Brian Danielson to win the tournament. But I don't know. It really feels like it should be Hangman walking away with that belt. I mean, would it be necessarily bad for them to do Hangman versus Brian and still have Hangman go over? No, no, it wouldn't. It just feels like you kind of run the risk since, you know, you know, Adam Page is such a big baby face right now of kind of taking away some of his luster by having him go up against Brian, who's also mm-hmm. an ultra over baby face, where I would much rather see Hangman go up against a traditional heel to start off his run. You know, get him as over as possible. And he's pretty fucking over right now. But like make him the face of the brand like you could do that with him. So he has that potential. Um so I would much rather see him start off against a Moxley or someone like that. Or right. Miro. Moxley. Because Miro, yeah, Miro he's, he's been out perfect. for gold. <laughs> uh-huh. Those promos have been fantastic, by the way. But no, Moxley going through Cassidy and then probably going through Danielson, even if Danielson has puts up more of a fight, um, I think that's enough to start at least pushing him towards that more heelish edge that uh-huh. he needs. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we're seeing that happen right now, mm-hmm. you know, as we speak. So, yeah, but I mean, regardless, it's going to be fun um, and it's a great time to be a wrestling fan. Absolutely. Well, that does it for this week. That's right. And as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate and give us a five star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more. 
That's right, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some Amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. Well, all right, Damon, what are we talking about next week? All right, so next week we'll have reviews for Last Night in Soho and Paranormal Activity Next of Kin. Plus, of course, we'll be talking whatever's going on in the world of wrestling. And I will have done 200 episodes with this asshole, so please tune in. (laughs) Hey, I'm the asshole who's been carrying you for 200 episodes, buddy. Uh All right, uh so you better watch it. I mean, my wife was asking if I lost a bet or something. Like, like you know, why am I co-hosting with you? <laughs> Should have been a good it's like bet, a, huh? It's like a fucking prison sentence. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, fuck prison this guy sense. and fuck this show. <laughs> and there you have it. 199 episodes. No more. We didn't make it to 200. <laughs> All right. Well, my name's Christian. And my name's David. And there will be an episode next week. Yes. Number 200. (laughs) That was the amazing dirt show. It's you, David. What? Please believe me. You'll kill people. Nurse! Listen to me! Nurse! The supernatural. (laughs) The power of darkness. It's all true. The undead surround me. Have you ever talked to a corpse? It's boring. I'm lonely. Take your life, David. Kill yourself before you kill others.